Dateline, July 2006. It's been a fascinating year for Uru fans, and now, with the news that Uru Live will be reborn later this year, all eyes are turning toward Spokane, Washington, and Mysterium 2006. Cyan Worlds, the creator at Uru, has always held a very special place in the hearts of Myst fans, and with the combined news of Live's revival, plus the news of Mysterium being held in Spokane this year, anticipation is keen for both events. For those who may not be familiar with Mysterium, it's the name that was applied to the annual Mist Fan Convention several years ago. It's been held in various locations since the year 2000, but the Spokane site is very special because it allows fans to meet the creators of these worlds as well as socialize with fellow fans. The dates for this year's Mysterium are July 28th through the 30th, and several of us from the Cavern today will be in attendance, most of us meeting in real life for the first time. In this, our 15th regular podcast, we'll be featuring an exclusive and very improvised interview with Richard Watson, or Rawa, from Cyan, discussing Mysterium and some of the things they're preparing for the fans who attend. We hope you enjoy it. In addition, Galen has put together an excellent segment on Dunny history. Janathus and Anthony have assembled another tech feature. Steve and Akira have prepared a Damala update. And Steve will be telling us about the in-cavern and out-of-cavern approaches to enjoying Uru. We're excited to offer another of Delanor's musical works. And last, and probably least, we regretfully have to announce that Madge Millicuddy, our infamous CCN phone bot, has come out of her temporary retirement and is once again making life interesting for Tyon. But that's enough for me. On with the show. And as always, thanks to our many fans for listening to our podcasts. That really means a lot to us. For The Cavern Today, this is Mowog signing off. Hi. This is Akira with the Podcast 15 Damal update. At the moment, the DRC has not yet moved into full swing, so there's relatively little dimension this time around. From what I've heard, Mysterium will be occurring on the surface in a few days' time, and as a result, many people have pulled out of the cavern to go to Science Headquarters. As you know, the DRC has been quite tight-lipped about the restoration project, so many explorers may be hoping to use Science inside context to shed some light on this situation, if you get my drift. The Cavern today will be running a special service during this time, with Anne coordinating things at the Cyan end, with several other CCN staffers working hard to make sure that those of you who cannot afford the trip out of the Cavern can still see what's happening at Cyan. It appears the group known as United Shards is looking to release an upgrade soon, which should help all of us explorers. It is at the moment unclear what the group has been working on, however the fact that its members help in the maintenance and running for the cavern as well as spending a lot of time on the lattice and key networks suggests that perhaps an improvement in the lattice or key network is coming. The Damala memory book is nearing completion, and I'm sure anyone who frequents the Uru Obsession Hood will have noticed Moiety's recent efforts to take key shots of every single explorer in the cavern, as well as looking for photos of events from the cavern. We at CCN even have our own page, and we wish her well for the rest of the project, and hoping that it comes to a nice, complete end. 
Well, that's it for this podcast. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've arranged to meet up with the other CCN staffers in the Moon Room to celebrate the success of our last podcast. This is Akira for The Cavern Today, signing off. Welcome to the Weather Report. Today, Spokane, Washington is quite sunny with a high of 76 degrees. So far this summer, the home of Cyan has had a very nice weather indeed. On the other hand, New Mexico has had a rather soggy summer so far. Today it is raining in central New Mexico yet again, with scattered showers around the cleft. Still, the high is 94 degrees, so you may or may not wish to bring your park up with you should you choose to visit the cleft. Down in the cavern, the extra rain on the surface has found its way down through the parched earth, raising lake waters a good three inches. Though not high enough to splash an explorer's feet, the algae seem quite happy with the incoming fresh water and the orange glow is brightened fractionally. The cavern remains a nice 79 degrees, good for cooling off, and drying off, from visits to the surface. In the news today, fans are excited about the upcoming Mysterium held this year in Spokane, Washington. Though not the first time a Mysterium has been held in Cyan's hometown, It is particularly exciting that this one should take place in the birthplace of Uru as the re-release of Uru Live approaches. In local news, the shards are still just as alive in New U as ever. Stopping by Ubisoft's Uru forums turns up occasional announcements of happy hours in the Shard Kahlo pubs, which have recently turned into a cocktail party every other week in the Domala Shard. Old threads announcing the ladies' garden club meetings are still there, A testament to the groups of friends dotting the Uru landscape. This ends our weather and news reports. For the Cavern Today, this is Dalkin Starbine, signing off. Hello again, this is Moog for the Cavern Today. For the second time, it is our distinct pleasure and honor to welcome Richard Watson, a.k.a. Rawa, to the Cavern Today. Richard, how's it going? It's going well, thank you. Yeah, good to hear from you again. This is a really uh, special time of the year because it's later this month, of course, that Mysterium occurs, and a lot of us are going to be coming near sure that might not have otherwise. I know my own reasons in the forums before were that with live starting back up, of course, is the big one. Plus, my work with the Cavern today has given me some involvement in the community that has just been really, really satisfying, and this is my chance to meet some of the other folks. I'd like to thank you guys for suggesting that it be held in Spokane, this year. I've never been there, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> it's been a, uh, a treat, for example, to see the um, video footage from the pizza party. Do you guys have any special events uh, scheduled for this year's Mysterium that we can know about beforehand? Things haven't really been locked down yet. We're kinda, we kind of do things at the last minute. We're always tweaking, trying to get things ready right up till the very last day. Yeah, so you work just uh, like so we do. I don't know exactly. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what will happen. Okay. Uh, we have a we have a rough idea. Well, actually, the spontaneity is part of the fun, I guess. So just to you know to have surprises waiting for us when we get there, will be kind of neat. Some of the folks have been asking if there will be PCs there where we'll be able to um, upload pictures from cameras, camera cards, for example, video cameras and uh, send them up to our FTP server. We'll probably be able to provide that, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. I don't know if some of our folks are bringing laptops or what. I could bring one, but it would make our son very angry because it's his. 
And uh, <laughs> oh, Dad took your computer to Washington. Oh, Dad would go over real big. Well, very good. It's good to hear that the Cavern Today staff are hoping to uh, to take along still cameras and some recording equipment if we can, as well as video, and to try to document Mysterium as best we can in the form of audios and videos and uh, and still pictures and post them to our FTP server. So it's good to hear. Yeah. How many years has Mysterium been going on? I must admit that this is my first, and I've known about the event for several years, but I'm sort of curious. How did it get started? Um, the first one was in 2000, so this is the this would be the seventh Mysterium, I think. Okay. I can't count that fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's two of us. But yeah, I think, I think it's seven. I ran out of fingers. Yeah. <laughs> well, great, yeah. Have there been any events from Mysteria past that you remember especially fondly, or things you'd rather not remember, too? They've all been really good, the ones I've been to. It's always fun to finally meet people face-to-face that you only know online or in Uru. Uh huh. So that's kind of the main thing about it, is getting to see people face-to-face for a change. Well, that's what I'm looking for in a huge way, because I know so many people over the forums, you know, from their abbeys and from their written words. And uh, through my involvement with Cavern Today, uh, from their abbeys and their spoken word, <laughs> and to actually see them face-to-face is going to be really a treat. I know one of the things we're looking forward to doing is uh, staging a live read-through of our Journey of the Called serial drama, you know, when we can actually see each other and actually act it out without having to you know, put up with uh, Skype lag and things like that, and just actually you know, sit around a table or something and do it, or... <laughs> Over at right. Applebee's, <laughs> at Applebee's during supper or something, you know, something like that, and uh, it's really going to be a treat because we've. One of the neat things about the cavern today is we've started some really close friendships as a result of this, but we've never met. You know, it's the strangest thing, and a good many of us are coming to Mysterium and are really, really grateful for this year's Mysterium as a chance to meet for the first time ever. Again, we'd sure like to thank you guys. Uh, we're just so long for the ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you guys actually get to take a day or two off of work for this, or? Uh, no. I didn't think so. Yeah. So you've got to kind of, <laughs> you've got to kind of break away to, you know, show all these, all these gawking tourists around the place or something. And are there any events you know of planned at the Ramada? They usually do uh, presentations on uh, Saturday evening after the open house at Cyan. Okay. And I'm not sure how many of the fan presentations there there will be this year. Okay. But that usually lasts a few hours in the evening on Saturday. Well, very neat. It's going to be really something to to hear these voices I recognize and to see, you know, strange faces uttering the voices. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there are lots of really prominent name tags with, you know, with Abby names and, and real names. And there's still uh, the question in my mind is, well, will we go by our Abby names or by our real life names? Because otherwise <laughs> it could be very confusing. <laughs> I hear that Saturday we may even get to uh, take an open house at Cyan headquarters. Yeah, that's usually the plan. Uh, when uh, we have it in Spokane, we try and keep the building open, usually for most of Saturday. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that'll be a real treat. I think it's one of our fantasies, for some of us anyway, to see where these worlds actually originate. I mean, uh, many of us have seen uh, the Making of Mist film from a long time ago. <laughs> The one that shipped on the Riven CD, and uh, I think the making of Riven and whatever the ones have been since then. Mm-hmm. 
and have seen little, you know, bits and pieces and clips of Cyan's activities at the at the garage, you know, and and of the of your current building being constructed, and thinking, oh, holy cow, what must it be like to, you know, to go to an environment like that to work every day? Uh, <laughs> so we're sure looking forward to seeing it. Excellent. See the waterfall in the back and everything. At the presentations on Saturday at the Ramada, will there be any previews or captures of what we might see in Uru Live this fall? If we have something from Uru to show, it'll probably be during the open house Saturday. I'm not sure exactly what what we'll have to show by then. Okay, neat. <laughs> Whatever you have, we will fall all over it. <laughs> yeah, there will be screen capture circulating like nobody's business. Yeah. yeah. Of course the anticipation on our end is really, really high at the moment, as you may have as you may realize. And uh, anything that comes our way will really, really be a treat. Steve asks if there would be any um, any PC set up with what you have so far up and running, a kind of letting guests beta test or have a little taste of what's coming up. It's possible. I think we did that last time, so we might we might be able to do that again this time it's, it's uh, it'll depend on how many people show up and how hard it'll be to get enough PCs up that everybody will get a chance. Well, wonderful. Just a little uh, sneak preview is huge again. I must let you know that some of us were kind of chatting behind the scenes on the forums and PMs and coming up with some ideas of things that we uh, kind of would like to do. <laughs> These are rather dubious at best, but we're talking about, for example, a real-life balcony jump. <laughs> if we can find a balcony somewhere and and uh, <laughs> I think some of us are going to go AFK in the lobby of the Ramada so people will have to walk around to you know get past us uh, <laughs> various little things like this wearing our watches around our hands to look like keys and you know raising them and tapping on them periodically and looking business like I know some of Excellent. us uh, I know some of the folks are wearing regalia and bringing props I've ordered two Cavern Today t-shirts from Cafe Press, and hopefully we'll have them there, and are not uh, all that ashamed for some reason of, you know, trumpeting the fact that we're with the Cavern Today, so <laughs> it'll uh, be kind of a treat to identify ourselves with the project in the Uru crowd. One of the other things we've suggested doing is whenever somebody walks into the conference room, a person stationed by the door will holler, link in, and everybody else in the room has to freeze for 30 seconds. And, uh, it's you must know that you guys at Cyan aren't the only one racking your brains for <laughs> clever content for Uru. You know, some of us are are doing our feeble best to uh, liven up Mysterium for you. <laughs> That's great. Maybe the last one they ever have up there. But what sort of difficulties have you had in organizing Mysterium? And that, do you have any idea of what kind of crowd we can anticipate this year? Uh, well, some things, we were trying to do some things that didn't work out, and so we're kind of trying to do other things to fill in for the things that didn't work out. Okay. Uh, plan, plan B, essentially. Yeah. So those are the kind of challenges we always have, and we just do the best we can with what we have, and, and uh, hopefully people are happy with what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, understood. I know that there is some kind of a planning committee for Mysterium or a focal point, uh, a person acting as a point of contact for the uh, for the planning. How deeply is Cyan themselves involved in planning Mysterium? And how much is the 
organizing committee or whatever it is? It's mostly the committee. Okay. Um, they do all the, they set up the itinerary and they do all the legwork and get everything set up. And we're, we just mainly focus on uh, what we're going to do during the open house. During, oh, the years that's, during the years it's at Cyan and usually we try, when it's not at Cyan, we try to provide something. Mm-hmm. But uh, we don't we don't really do any of the uh, the organization of the event. Sure, that, that's all the uh, committee members. Yeah. Well, uh, can you think of anything else you'd like to anything else you'd like to add? No, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. It always is. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Well, I can't think of anything else. We are are sure looking forward to coming. It's uh. As I mentioned before, it'll be my first Mysterium, so this will all be fresh and new to me and uh, an extraordinary experience. And I know that any time I sit down to play Uru Live this fall, which is a marvelous, marvelous thing to be able to say, by the way, I'll be able to think back to my experiences in Spokane at Mysterium. And any time that we put together a Cavern Today presentation, I can think back to the real people that I'm working with when we do Cavern Today. And it will just be... It'll just really deepen the experience for a lot of us, I think. And we thank you again. You bet. So, Richard, we'll see you later this month. Some of us will. And you'll certainly be seen in pictures, believe (laughs) Believe me. We'll upload all (laughs) kinds of images. I look forward to meeting you personally and the other guys and my cohorts at Cavern Today and the rest of the community. And uh, for the Cavern Today, this is Molwag signing off.
Drat those guild of caterers, always tasty stuff till later. Then comes the nightmare, I certainly have Mr. Toyon, Shura, I guess you didn't hear me the first time. Shura, that's Yuru talk for how you doing. No, it's not. You wouldn't know the language if you... Oh, never mind. So you're awake after all. <laughs> I knew you'd correct me if you were awake. Yeah, aren't you gonna welcome me back from my cruise? No, I thought you went away permanently. Fired is what I heard. No, not fired, Mr. Toyon. On hiatus. Hiatus means gone on a long trip. I know the language. It's you that... After my acting debut, I thought I could use a nice rest at Garishan Beach and Resort. By the way, I listened to the first year of JOTC on the website. Sounds nice. Now that I've got some experience, you got any parts written for There me? is no Garrison Beach and Resort, and no, like I told you before, I've hired all the actors I need for now. It's been a good year without you. Oh, Mr. Tyon, I know you missed me. You're just kidding around again. Did you know I started a blog? Blog? Oh, brother. What in the world would you have to say on a blog? The truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. The truth about what, from your limited perspective? It's all there in my book, but I've decided book writing isn't as cool as blogging, so I'm going to blog for a while. See how it goes. Do you keep a blog, Mr. Tyon? I do, but I am not about to tell you where I keep my blog, and you can't Google it either. I suspected you'd come along someday and ask me about it, but I cleverly named it something you would never guess. Mm. Well, some would say it's not very nice of you to withhold information like that, but I know we're playing a game here, and the game is who can guess the blog name. Right, Mr. Tyon? Yeah, right. Now go away and do some filing. Hey, does Steve know you're back? I bet he'll be delighted to see you. Mr. Crox knows I'm back, but there's been a lot of meetings. Mrs. O is back, too, and she goes to the meetings and comes out all crumply-faced. She says CCN is going through some growing pains, because there's a lot more departments than there used to be. I know what she means, too. My box is full. Merle left a lot of spare parts in the box for later. I'm going to be fully overhauled, you know. Yeah, well, if your overhaul is anything like the last time, it's a waste of time as far as I'm concerned. Look at all the trouble you got into over at the DRC. <sighs> what a mess you caused. I didn't cause a mess. Well, maybe I did, but it's only because I'm icy and only icy. Icy? I can think of a lot of things you are, including annoying with an annoying voice, but I see... <laughs> yeah, irritating current, so says my critics. Mm, no, that can't be right. I mean, integral current or something like that. Look, I have a splitting headache, and I'm trying to get ready for the trip I'm taking in a few days. Me too. Huh? What trip? I'm going to Mysterium. I've already booked my stowaway airplane and hotel tickets. But you can't go. You'll only be in the way, Millicuddy. I know you were told never to post on any form ever again, and I know you were told to stay out of matters that don't involve you. 
which is just about all matters I can think of. And who forgot to tell you no traveling? That's what I call an oversight. Who will open Mr. Crocs's mail while you're gone? The box will just have to fill up. Now that he's editorially producing the cavern today, he gets more mail and IMs than ever. He got so many one morning he hit the send button and a snippet of a conversation he was having with an old adversary went to everybody on his list. Everybody. Right after that, he took a whole week off. Now, I don't think he did that on purpose, do you? Like I figured, you're a natural-born eavesdropper, Millicuddy. Then again. Oh, well, matters not. I'm on a mission to meet other stowaways and interview them for the shortwave. Oh, no, you're not. I interview you, File. Got it? Mr. Tyon, did you know there's a leak right up there in the ceiling? Is that a stalactite or a stalagmite? Where is that drip coming from? Up there, look, see. I've sent out a memo about this hole. I think it's the DRC construction work that's going on above us. I even mentioned it in the tea blog. Your blog? Yeah, my blog. Are you all right? That was quite the fall, even if it is just two steps down to the tile floor. Well, sorry to leave you in that condition, but toodles, Mr. Tyon. I'm having lunch with Googlebot. No, I know. This was a nightmare. She's sure to post a comment to my blog. Just what I need. Now, one week before my big chance to do those interviews. Who knows what that Avibot thing will want to try when we get back from Mysterium. She's starstruck and starstruck usually means I need it. another segment of the Denis History Project. I'm Galen Delore, and I'm pleased you have chosen once again to accompany me on an expedition into the history of the Denis. We're here again at the Common Library, where our journey continues. In the first part of this program, we talked about the descriptive and linking books and the differences between them. I explained how important correct writing was for the art and said that the Denis art of writing itself is creative. Statements to that effect appear often in the published mist books, which confuses the subject for many explorers. However, Anna and Atris stressed important distinctions in the way writing is creative. Unlike a painter who manipulates the actual substances or paints on a canvas in order to create an object, the art of writing manipulates words and phrases in a book to create a link to an already existing object, in this case, a world. The art does not create the world itself, it only creates the first link or bridge to an already existing world, a world that best fits the book's written description. It is possible that there are an infinite number of worlds already in existence, and many that are similar to the description, but the words, phrases, and sentences written point toward only one. The first link through stabilizes the bridge between the ages and enables the author to write the linking book back to the age they just left while they are in the new age they just entered. 
The first link through also generates a gateway image on the linking panel of both the descriptive book and the linking book so travelers can see the age. Subsequent modifications to the descriptions in the descriptive book might alter the bridge between ages to include in the link additional substances or ideas like minerals or compassion, but changes can exclude these elements from the link as well. Change the description enough and the link moves to a completely different, already existing world that encompasses the added or deleted descriptive words. Change part of the description, like wind speed for example, and it may not cause the link to move to a completely unrecognizable world, but it might affect the existing link so that the world that has developed around the old wind speed will begin to redevelop along a different path. People living there will be affected and may die as the world adjusts itself to the new wind speed with something like changing rainfall patterns. Still, the theory goes, changing the description doesn't destroy a world any more than writing the initial description creates one, but it can affect the world so much that the inhabitants and any Denis visitors might not be able to survive there any longer. For this reason, the Guild of Maintainers had to test a new age first for stability, stamp the book with an approval seal, and ensure that no changes were made to the description after the book was stamped. We'll talk more about the guilds in another program. The issue of creation in the art of writing was a never-ending concern for the Denis. Many of you know Atrus from the ages of Mist and Riven, and also know of his father Gin, who wrote the Fifth Age. As far as Gin was concerned, he had created that world and had the right to absolute rule there. What made him feel this way, you might ask? From the Book of Tiana we learn that Gen was in the Guild of Books as a child and had learned from a Master Urin how powerful the art of writing was. Master Urin was from the Guild of Ink Makers and taught the students about the relationship between the ink, books, and writing. He told them proudly that they would learn great secrets and in the art of writing was a power that, quote, could make worlds, unquote. When Gen was eight, disaster struck the cavern and the surrounding Denis ages. This became known as the Fall of Denis. After the fall, his mother Anna took Gen to the surface to live with her, but he left the cleft to live elsewhere on the surface. In the Book of Atrus, we read how Gen's wife, a member of the Ahmad tribe, died in childbirth, and how a devastated Gen abandoned the unnamed child to his mother in the cleft. Nineteen-year-old Gen then went back underground to the cavern. Only when this child turned fourteen did Gen briefly return to the cleft. He stayed only long enough to scrutinize his son Atrus and decide to take the boy back with him to the cavern. He meant to teach Atrus the art of writing so that Atrus would help him find, or fashion, just the right phrases to make his new ages work. Although Gen had not received the proper training as a writer, he felt himself highly skilled and able to achieve his goal of restoring the Denis civilization to its former glory before the fall. His goal was to do so by writing worlds the Denis could inhabit and rule. His action stemmed partly from a desire to fix what he saw as an inherent weakness in the Denis philosophy, that of allowing outsiders to corrupt pure Denis bloodlines and even influence their society. He himself was not fully Denis, and as a child was constantly reminded of that fact. His mother Anna had come to the cavern from the surface many years before and had become a Denis citizen and married Gen's father, also called Atrus. 
Her marriage allowed her to become influential in Denis society, yet she remained, in Gen's eyes, ignorant of Denis' true culture, so much so that she did not foresee the consequences her eloquent argument to the Council of Five would have. Her argument convinced them to commute the sentence of a man named Viovis from death to life imprisonment. This, in Gen's eyes, led directly to the fall of Denis. To understand Gen's perspective, we need to take another short sidestep through this history. When Gen was an infant, Veovis was framed for the crimes of trading illicit age books and for murder. Once convicted, Veovis grew vengeful. He escaped his prison age and, with the help of a man named Aguerus, attacked the Denis guilds, bombing the halls and murdering guildsmen. This Aguerus was himself bitter for having been expelled from his guild many years earlier, and who, in fact, had framed Veovis to begin with. Still, although Veovis was innocent of the initial crimes, he was now responsible for those subsequent crimes, and it was for those that he was sentenced to be executed. In the meantime, Anna had discovered Aguerus had framed Veovis for the first murders and provided her evidence to the Council of Five. She argued that his current sentence should be commuted from execution to life imprisonment. The Council agreed with her and built a special prison age for him, a prison he was somehow able to escape as well. Once again he joined Aguerus, and together they manufactured and released a plague-like biohazard that proved deadly to all Denis. When the entire population in the cavern had succumbed, the two men transported this plague to other Denis ages using the bodies of the dead. Very few Denis were left alive anywhere, in any age. The young Gen had lived through both the attacks on the guilds and through the final destruction, even seeing his own father die to save him and his mother, the very mother who had argued to keep Feovis alive. Gen's life was full of tragedy, and that may have contributed to the madness that began to take hold of his mind. Beneath his quest to revive the Denis culture was another, more ominous desire, a desire to make Denis into what he had imagined it had been, a civilization of beings that were far superior to any already living in the ages the Denis would link to. Gen imagined the Denis had been like gods, that they actually created the worlds and all living things in them, and that they had a right to rule, or destroy, anything in the age, and even the age itself. His son, Atrus, whom Anna had taught Denis and something of the art of writing, understood better than did his father how dangerous Gen's outlook was. Atrus had learned that words have deep meanings, which is why a writer had to be extremely careful with the words and phrases chosen. Gen merely copied existing text into his books, carelessly and without this deep understanding of each word and phrase. He would strike a phrase at a moment's notice to experiment with inhabited ages, and would often abandon them once the worlds became unstable, regardless of the fate of the people living there. Atrus witnessed this indifference firsthand in the 37th age, and again on Riven, Gen's fifth age. For explorers who have visited the age of Riven, you have seen for yourself how living inhabitants are deeply affected by any changes a writer makes to the descriptive book. If you have not yet visited Riven, explorers report that parts of it are still in existence and a journey there is worthwhile. Just be careful, as it is no longer a stable age, and there are rumors that Gen is still there. 
To close the chapter on Gen and the issue of God-like creation in the art of writing, we'll take one more short expedition. Far outside the city, in the direction of Kareth's arch, is what is left of the island mansion of Kavir, the spiral mansion on one of the islands. It was owned over the centuries by several wealthy citizens of Denis. Last to own it was the family of Veovis, that I talked about earlier. Gen set up his study on Kavir, and years later taught Atrus about writing there. Many of you have met Atrus in the ancient chamber on Kavir during your travels through Mist and Riven, and as many explorers know, that room is still accessible to us, individually. According to some explorers who returned there after their task on Riven was finished, the floor has a few more cracks in it, and more stone has fallen away from another door. But the walls still hold, and the floor does still seem to be solid enough to walk on. Here, in this most ancient part of the mansion, a young Atrus was imprisoned by his father after trying to escape and return to the surface. During this imprisonment, Atrus worked out some important modifications to the description of Riven. His modifications stabilized the dying age to a certain degree, although it continued to degenerate. Through his efforts and those of his future wife Katran, or Catherine, his father again was trapped on that age and was for a long time unable to return to Denis to experiment with the fifth or any other age. This chamber became the adult Atrus's prison once again when his two sons, Cyrus and Achenar, sabotaged his linking book back to Mist. When he escaped from his prison a second time, he returned again many years later to search for Denis' survivors. What he found is an amazing story, but it will have to wait for a future program. If you don't want to wait to know what he found, you can read about his discoveries for yourself in the published book of Denis. You can also visit the following informational centers on the surface. www.cyan.com www.drcsite.org www.capitaldpwr.net www.dnidesk.com A special thank you to Irene Quench for her help in researching this subject. Well, once again we're out of time. I would like to thank you again for joining me on this expedition into Denis history. Until next time, have a safe and pleasant journey. Hello, this is Steve Crocks, pouring straight from the cabin, where it seems the RC quite busy at the moment. Perhaps they're a little too busy. Let's see if I can find a better spot. Ah, Tullardum, a much quieter place. Although I have to remember to stay away from the mushrooms. They're almost as bad as a lake water, I tell you. Ah, what was I going to report on? course. Just what is IC and OOC? Firstly, IC and OOC are acronyms for in character or out of character. 
This is a concept used a lot in online role-playing games and is a key point in Marx or alternate reality games. So firstly, let's explain these. Firstly, we have OOC, or Out of Character. It is the idea that Uru is just a game made by Scion. Scion are a game company who have created a fictional organisation known to us fans as the Denis Restoration Council, or the DRC. I am not in fact intelligent. My name is Stephen Crocker, I study engineering, and I'm one of the few people who helps assemble and edit TCT's podcast. I'm also sitting in my rather small bedroom, looking out my window, wondering why I'm not outside in the sun as I record this on Goldwave. So let's look at the more complicated idea, in character or in cavern, as many of us Disney explorers like to call it. In the cavern, I am one of two of the Cavern Today's editorial producers. I go by the name Steve Crox and often found in the city chilling out while attempting to complete the ever-elusive Martha quests. Many of you may ask, what's the real difference between my in-cavern self and myself in real life? Well, the only difference is that to my in-cavern self, I live in the cavern and meet and follow TCT members every single day. Here, I still go to university, he still has the same music address. He loves the same films as me. It's just that I discovered this marvellous place called Denis and don't intend to leave. Oh, and in real life, I'd be quite worried if an eight foot tall hairy being suddenly appeared out of nowhere and screeched at me. Yes, yes, I'm hurrying it up. Oh, how's Isha, by the way? I haven't seen him in quite a while now. <sighs> You're touchy today, friend. Anyway, without further ado, let's explore the cavern ages and help people understand just what is around the cavern and what sign have made. Garrison is our first stop. Every explorer will have arrived in Garrison. It is a part of Yusha's initial journey. And here you pick up your Kai. One of the most important things you will ever own. Garrison is currently open by the DRC, although it appears they've done some extra exploration in this age and may be sharing more with us soon. I'm sure everyone is aware of the initial journey ages Garrison, Teladan, Kadij Tosa, Idagira, Idakimo. These ages are having repair work currently done to them, after all, the DRC have let them go for two years now, but every explorer can access them and explore them in relative safety. Urkana is one of the ages we can reach when we follow the path of the shell, the second of Yusha's journeys. Currently the path seems to be closed in the cavern, however we know the DRC have taken the path and that the ages in question are being, or have been, looked at by the DRC. Dr. K himself told us in a recent town hall that we could expect them sometime next year. Many people are interested in what sort of work the DRC are doing these ages and several feel that the DRC shouldn't have the ability to deny us access to an age. So what isn't in the cavern? What ages are currently just a myth?
Well, this is where things diverge. Nollibun has been around for a while. The DRC have given us car shots of the Nollibun beach for years now. Scient recently released a game known as Miss 5. This game is about events that apparently occurred in the cabin in 2005. However, many of us explorers haven't noticed some of the Miss 5 storyline. I've seen Dr. Watson's stuff left in the restroom, but last time I checked the images were still malfunctioning. The Great Shaft Elevator is indeed working, but I searched everywhere and found no booklets referring to Yisha's path. Heck, I even paid a visit to Kavir, but I didn't see any signs there either. It's obvious that the DRC are aware of Ms. 5, and aware of some event that occurred in 2005. We at the moment just don't know what happened, and we still haven't been able to visit Nolibun or Toldemir. Although if the ages are as spectacular as we see them in the sign-created Ms. 5, we are definitely, definitely in for some exciting ages. Now, if they excuse me, I'm going to see if the barrel will finally give me an interview. Hello, everyone. Welcome to TCT Tech here to improve your Uru Live experience. Before we begin with the actual discussion today, we need to make a correction to our last segment because of a recent clarification from Shogun. When he specified Uru Live system requirements were going to be just like Uru's requirements, he actually meant Uru Complete Chronicles or Path of the Shell, which are the same thing. We incorrectly assumed Uru ages beyond missed system requirements, so integrated graphics are supported. Shogun also mentioned, <clears throat> yes, the Genathus. I can't believe I actually... Just remember, we recommended you not use integrated graphics, so if your textures look like mud and your game runs like a turtle, we'll be right there to tell you, we told you so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While I can agree with that point, I'm not going to agree with the tone. Moving on and back on topic... Chogun also mentioned that they won't be testing Uru live on Windows 98. Which is not to say it won't work, but if you run into any troubles... Well, then you might be a little out of luck. I think I could have said it better myself and further explained why. Next time, how about you let me? The Genathus. Yeah, yeah, next time. Mm -hmm. Anyway... Today, in version 1.1, we're going to talk about graphics APIs, chiefly DirectX 7, 8, and 9. We will, of course, give honorable mention to OpenGL as well, but for the purposes of running Uru Live, DirectX is the requirement. And the better one. So, Anthony, what's an API? An API is an application programming interface. Is that like a keyboard? No, a keyboard's what I hit you on the head with. Uh, I knew that was your weapon of choice. No, personally, I prefer the mouse checks. <clears throat> Moving on. Yes, you're Tell great. us about this API. API? Okay. An API is actually, really, since you don't know, what they use <clears throat> to talk between programs and other programs or pieces of hardware. Because each program speaks its own language in a way, you need to have something that can actually interface and translate for them. Without that, each program would be required to actually be able to understand each piece of hardware they have to talk with. And as you know, in today's large number of different pieces of hardware, it's just not workable. So we've got DirectX to talk to the video card? Yep. 
Okay, but wait a minute. We have DirectX and OpenGL. Why are there two? Isn't there only one language? Well, actually, the graphics cards are bilingual, you might say. They understand both OpenGL or DirectX. The reason both exist were they were originally developed for different purposes. DirectX was developed to support gaming on Windows PCs so people wouldn't have to use DOS anymore. Whereas OpenGL originally started its life as a rendering API for high-level workstations for those graphics you might see in movies. But as time went on, they started to evolve closer to each other and eventually came into conflict. So we're focusing on DirectX formats because Uru is a uh, DirectX 8 hardware game. What are the differences between DirectX versions 7, 8, and 9? Well, each version of DirectX has a different level of features they can support. You see, as the cards evolved and became better, you needed new versions of DirectX that would support the new features. So, as the cards began adding features, Microsoft would release a new version of DirectX which supported those features and improved on the performance until you hit DirectX 9 today. So what are some of the differences? One of the first differences comes in the texture support. Each version of DirectX actually supports a higher level of textures. Which means that if I'm driving a racing game, I'd feel more rumble strips on higher DirectX versions? No. Textures oh. are not the type of textures you seem to be thinking of, Genethus. Textures <laughs> are... Genethus. Just be quiet. <laughs> textures are the images you see that get mapped onto different computer models, such as your avatar. Sometimes referred to as geometry. Yes, geometry, because they're geometric shapes. But the fact is... The higher resolution textures improve your gameplay experience due to the fact that you can imagine you have an object with only so much detail you can have. Let's say it's got 10 squares by 10 squares, or in computer terms, pixels. Now, if you can only have those 10 squares, you can imagine that you've only got so many different squares you can color. And using those different squares colored different ways, you can make an image. But you've only got 100 squares total to do that with. Now, if you get 20 by 20, you now have 400 squares you can color in, which increases the level of detail you can do. So by increasing the size of the textures you can use, you can increase the detail and actual visual quality of the textures you have. So that makes things look clearer? Yep. And sharper? Yep. What other differences are present? Another major improvement was the mapping of reflections and liquids. In DirectX 7, you had reflections, yes, you also had water. But water in DirectX 7 was basically a flat plane. Without the conventional placement of the water, for instance, on a beach or in a pool, aside from that, you would just think it was glass. Yeah, basically. Or a mirror. The way they tried to simulate it looking like water, they'd add little sprites and stuff to uh, make it look like you had a water-like surface. But it really didn't work that well. No, it didn't. No. Also, you had reflections. Basically, if you had a straight-on reflection, it'd work. But if you started getting any little distortions like you wanted, it wasn't really possible with DirectX 7, not with any detail or quality. Now, with DirectX 8, they started improving that. You started having realistic water in DirectX 8. It would ripple. It looked like water to a great degree. It was recognizable. And the reflections weren't limited to just water, right? Oh, no. You could set any surface to reflect pretty well. but So you have effective-looking marble, yep. metal surfaces? 
you could set the detail, the reflection, and all that good stuff. With the reflections in water, you can reflect the environment around you. You can reflect the avatars, though that's a little more expensive. Expensive? Yes. It costs more money? No, expensive. It costs more processing power. Oh. So I just put a turbocharger on, I'm good, right? <laughs> if only it was like that. You need a complete engine overhaul to do this. But while it would reflect, and you could have things like ripples, waves, all that sort of stuff, the changes in ripples were actually, it would distort the water, but wouldn't really distort your reflection realistically. So with these distortions, you achieve somewhat more realistic looking water, but it wasn't quite there. Now with DirectX level 9 hardware and API, you could achieve fairly realistic, in fact, about as realistic as they've got in water effects and reflections. Now, with this water, it actually accurately changes the reflections with the distortions you'll see in the water, the ripples, waves, other such things. So that the mapping and reflecting actually is in time with the changing of the surface. The, the water effects, the reflective effects, the texture size, is that all the benefit to the different versions? Well, there's uh, another major one, and that's very important if you think about it, to graphics. And that's lighting. With DirectX 9, you can get some pretty good lighting, realistic central point lightings that make things look like they're actually there and generate shadows. Now, if you fall back to DirectX 8, while the lighting's pretty good, you start having some problems with shadowing not being quite realistic. The reflections aren't quite right from the light. DirectX 7, you're basically, while you can have lamps and lighting, it's not good at all. It's just there so you can actually see the objects. So everything today says DirectX 9, but Uru is DirectX 8. Can you explain this? Yes. Um, DirectX actually is very backwards compatible. Basically, if you've got a DirectX game, it'll run on DirectX 9 API, whether it's DirectX 2, 1, 5, any one of them. It also works with graphics cards. If you've got a game that requires DirectX level 8 hardware and only a DirectX 8 API, it will also work on DirectX 9 level hardware and API. And to a certain extent, you can actually get away with going below the amount required by the game with the graphics cards, though you start losing features. It all depends okay. on how much they program that into the game. The difference being that the video card driver has to support the newer version of DirectX, but it doesn't necessarily support the features in the hardware. Yes. Uh, it can be a tricky mess there. There are some games that are very intolerant of different versions of hardware. If it if it says that this hardware is supposed to run this way and it can't or won't because of the drivers, the game looks terrible. Yeah, but there's also some cases where the game will still run. Now, the point that we're driving at through all of this is that Uru only needs DirectX 8 level hardware to... Which you can't really find anymore. ...to be seen in all of its glory as Cyan intended. <laughs> Touché. Yes. That's where we'll wrap up for now. If you have any questions for our staffers to answer, feel free to visit the Cavern Today community forums under the subheading TCT Tech, or you can email us direct at tech.tct at gmail.com. Be sure to ask questions. I'm looking to answer. 
Don't forget to tune in next time for our TCT Tech version 1.2. In that segment, we'll be sharing our video card recommendations, which will allow you to enjoy your Uru Live experience with all the visual bells and whistles. And Janathus and I will be comparing our graphics cards. <laughs> and Anthony will lose. Maybe. For the Cavern today, this is the Janathus. And Anthony. Signing off. Hello again, this is Moog for The Cavern Today. As many of you may know, Mysterium 2006 is nearly upon us, and for many of us our plans are taking shape accordingly. This year will be a rather special one for two reasons. One, Uru Live is returning, and two, the event is in Spokane. So my plane tickets are bought, and my room reservations are made, and now it all comes down to logistics. I've been in contact with some of my Cavern Today cohorts attempting to draft a plan of action. You know, where will we meet up? Who will have a rental car? What do we do once we arrive? That sort of thing. And we're all becoming painfully aware that for most of us, Spokane is just a long way off. Coming from the St. Louis area, for example, my trip out will involve three planes with two returning, and this is apparently fairly typical for many other fans. There will be endless hours in the air, numerous layovers at strange airports, meals grabbed on the run, much quality time spent with my New York Times crossword puzzle book, and so forth. So with that in mind, I'd like to make a modest proposal to Cyan. Mysterium is just over three weeks off as of this writing, and that should give their programmers plenty of time to write up a linking book to Spokane and make it available for us to download to our Relto bookshelves. Yeah. Rather than mess about with airports, security, rental cars, and the like, we can just touch a linking panel and reappear moments later at the registration desk of the Ramada Suites. <laughs> just think how convenient that would be. And as the weekend progresses, we could add linking pages to Cyan headquarters, uh, to the Applebee's restaurant across the street from the Ramada, and other highlights. And maybe even new Pacific Northwest Relto pages like mountains, forests, and Starbucks. Well, naturally, there would be complications with a Spokane linking book, but we can live with those. You know, stuff like, so-and-so is coming to Mysterium, but he won't be here till Saturday. He's got dial-up. Or, I would really, really like to play Edge, you know, disc golf, with you guys, but for some reason I can't seem to use my hands, and kicking this disc around the course would take all day. And one very important precaution would need to be taken. The Ramada folks will need to cordon off a Lincoln point in the lobby, and any Uru fans who arrive early can take shifts pulling recent arrivals out of the link point before somebody else links into them. That's very important, by the way. No one wants to have to call home with a message like, Hello, honey, I'll be home Sunday, and I'm bringing a friend. <laughs> no, linking accidents should really be avoided, but on the whole, it would still be a good arrangement. So that's about it for now. For those of you who are going to Mysterium, I hope to see you there. And for you others, who for some reason have decided to save several hundred dollars by staying home, stay tuned for special news releases, videos, and photos. The Cavern Today staff is planning to cover Mysterium to the best of our abilities, and are looking forward to the opportunity to do so. And on second thought, Cyan, you can cancel that Spokane linking book. My plane tickets are non-refundable. For The Cavern Today, this is Mowog signing off. Hello everyone, one announcement before we go. 
Lego Addict is working on a Book of Atrus project. It's a group of people working together to create a movie version of the Book of Atrus. They're looking for 3D modelers and animators to join the project. So if anyone's interested, go ahead and contact Lego Addict at lego underscore addict at hotmail.com or simply sign up at their forums at http colon slash slash bookofatrus.forumer.com Note there's no www in front of that. We'd also like to thank Rawa for coming on the show again, Huru Project Shard's LCC for his great musical compositions, Delana for his great song A Perfect Mind, Galen for another great and educational history piece, and most importantly, all our great listeners and fans who make working on The Cabin Today so very rewarding. Thank you. That's the end of Podcast 15. We hope you've enjoyed it. This is Miles, signing off.